0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy. Guy. the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG 13.
1: I have a friend who years ago, I remember her saying that when she was 45, she felt like wallpaper. She was an observer in life. And I don't know about you, but that is not the way I want to feel about my life. So the act of, you know, setting a goal and a physical goal, which you have control over and which you can measure, celebrates our being, you know, active agents in our lives. And that's what motivates me. I never want to be wallpaper.
0: Whoops, that forward, forward, forward.: Hello and welcome. I am Sheree Louise Turner, your producer and host, and you are listening to Strides Forward, where we share stories about running, told by women. Women like Kathy. Hello, my name
1: is Kathy Witschneider. And I love the field of master's athletics, and particularly master's running. I'm 66 years old, and I hope the rest of my life is as active
0: as it's been already. Kathy, who lives in the Boston area, is a competitive master's athlete, as well as a coach and author. She's also a faculty member at Boston College, where she teaches courses on high performance and coaching. And on March 19th, she'll be giving a TED Talk at the college about how short-term goals can transform your life. People can attend the event live and in person, and the talk will be available afterward online. And I'm going to talk about that more after the story. As an athlete, Kathy's won numerous national age group championships, and she's medaled at the World Masters Games. As a coach, she works with all levels of athletes, and she's guided some to world and national age group records. And, as an author, she's been a columnist for National Masters News for many years, and she's also written several books, the most recent of which is High Performance in Midlife and Beyond, and that features stories of champion Masters women racers, and it's a really great read. This is all to say that Kathy has been a driving force in the world of competitive Masters track for many years and from many different angles. And the fact that she has such a passion for Masters running and racing, no doubt has a lot to do with the fact that she didn't begin her own competitive running journey until she was a Masters competitor herself. This is the world where she learned to thrive as a runner. And here's Kathy's story. She's going to tell us how it all happened. I've always loved running. When I
1: was young, a child, a youth, I actually ran the neighborhood Olympics, which was you know, very casual. But it was at a time when there weren't lots of sports or any sports to speak of for girls. Uh, the finish line was a crack in the sidewalk. The Olympics were for, was for everyone in the neighborhood, including people with special needs. And uh, when I went to high school and college, running was not offered as a sport for girls. So I did run on the boys' cross-country team in high school, and I played tennis and squash in, in college, and I always knew that our family had running genes. My father did. My father uh, was Jewish in Nazi Germany and Austria, and he showed a lot of talent that could have gone as high as one can imagine, but we never knew because he had to leave. And that story and the knowledge of his potential not being able to be fulfilled, he did exceptionally well in races in Berlin, and he didn't talk a lot about it because they were very tough times, but it, I always had it in the back of my head. So he was deprived of discovering his potential. And so when I was about 40 and had had my first child, I learned from a neighbor about masters running. She saw me jogging in the neighborhood, probably around the block. And she said, you should come to the MIT track with me. She was a coach so i went with her and i just remember the phrase tremendous speed you have tremendous speed and i didn't know anything but i loved it i loved the high of the track and i had been playing a lot of competitive tennis and i decided to switch to running only because i tried to do both tennis and running. And I couldn't because I was getting stress fractures, three or four of them. And then I decided I had to have a divorce with tennis if I was going to focus on running. And so things started from there. And then they accelerated as New Balance somehow saw me, heard about me. I don't even remember the details, but they sponsored me with clothing and shoes and critical was I met a woman who was on the tail end of her open career. And she became my coach and dear friend. Her name is Leslie Lahane. She was the Boston University women's track coach. And she and I had sons the same age. They were in pre-kindergarten. And after dropping them off, we ran together. And that helped me learn from the best. She was the best.
0: While trying something totally new in your 40s, like track racing, could be intimidating, Kathy had that encouragement and support of other more experienced track runners, and she had confidence that she'd gained from other life experiences. In my mid-30s, I
1: enrolled in a doctoral program in physiology, and high performance, both the science and the psychology and the culture of you know, what it takes to be your best. It was a doctoral program at, at Boston University. And what I learned kept me from being intimidated to a great degree. It's not that I didn't get nervous, I did. But I learned Anders Ericsson's theory, for example. It was uh, psychology professor at the University of Florida, and he's the expert on experts. And he said, it's 10 years, 10,000 hours to excellence. And he talked about deliberate practice, which is very specific practice done with feedback from a coach focused on strengths and weaknesses. It's not inherently fun. It's done over and over again. And so even though I was already 40 when I started running, I wasn't impatient. I remembered the value of year after year of focused work. And I remember loving it from the get-go. We were doing 200 repeats. I didn't know times. And I ran some 200s and 30 seconds. That was probably my fastest, but I was doing a series of them. And I thought, this is fantastic. Fantastic. Then I also remember my first national race where I didn't know what I was doing. And because at that time, 1998 or so, Masters running was still in its early stages. It had been going for decades before that, but not a lot was known. And even the coaches didn't know A tenth of what I and many other coaches now know, which is that masters runners are capable of more than they think.
0: When Kathy started, she certainly didn't know where her own journey would lead, nor did she know the ins and outs of concepts like age grading, which is something she's going to mention coming up here. And it's a concept that needs a little explaining if you're not familiar with it. Age grading is a way of scoring an athlete's race performance, factoring in age and gender. Scores are based on these statistical tables, and they're expressed as a percentage, with 100% being the best performance a person of a particular age and gender could have. You can think of 100% as essentially world record status. The intent here is to be able to level the playing field across all runners and also so that runners can rank themselves against others like them. For instance, I could use a recent race performance to see how I rank against other women in the 50 to 55 category. And so the ranking works something like this. We have that 100%. That's the best anybody could do. From there, the scoring is broken down into increments of 10%, with 90 to 99% being the world class level, 80 to 89% being national class, and so on. So you can, for example, check your best time in a particular event and see if you're internationally competitive, or nationally competitive, or competitive on a regional or local level. You get it. The last track competition, Kathy Raced, which you'll hear about, She ranked in the 91st percentile. But of course, it wasn't always that way. So I had an early memory
1: of entering an 800 where I, in retrospect, I didn't have the knowledge and experience for sure uh, that I might have had. And I felt like, you know, the letter Q, it's the 800 is two laps around an outdoor track. I ran one lap and felt like queuing off. I just hit the wall, just 800, half mile, and I felt like I got to drop out now, and I didn't. But I got so much faster over the decades, age grading, according to age grading, and also in absolute times. When we think about aging, we can't help but think about our parents. Both my parents, both had been athletic in different ways, but they were both uh, academics and my mother, an English professor, my father, an historian. They lived until their 90s. They were always engaged in their work. They drew others to them because of their respective engagements, their interests in English literature, or my father was actually a leader in the resistance against Hitler and that was his whole field. He, he actually had the same dentist as Hitler, if you can believe it. Uh, but at any rate, so they were role models and other than that, I've had the I've been blessed to, to know in the course of just living, uh, many women older than I older runners than I who are outstanding athletes and have never stopped. And women inspire each other. There are many different... First of all, the, we, back to role models. They're different ages. It's wonderful to run with women of different ages, women who have different perspectives on what they w- want out of running. I I'm inspired by women I compete with who are faster and slower. I'm inspired by their stories because so many, so many roads lead to running, <laughs> right? And they're all examples in their own way of courage, courage to get out on a dark night, cold weather, or an early Saturday morning in cold weather or on hot days. And they're standing up, they're running for themselves, and they're fitting it in, balancing all kinds of other responsibilities and going for it. So it's, it says, we can. We can at any age. And the other thing that motivated me is not just the people I knew personally, but the people who were subjects of my doctoral dissertation at Boston University where I compared 50 women who started running after they were, uh, there were 103 national and world-class masters runners. They were all women. 50 of them started running in when they were young. 53 started running after 30. And I was comparing their performances when they were all older than 40. And those late starters, I call them, after five to seven years could be as good natural talent being a factor, an ingredient, but they could be as good as those who started in their teens and were, you know, Olympic trials material even. And that was inspirational. And then I'm always reading articles about people who have astounded Everyone by redefining aging just by their athletic accomplishments.
0: Kathy is certainly among those who is redefining aging through outstanding athletic achievements. But doing well in races isn't the only aim that Kathy has, she has a broader motivation for being a part of this world of competitive masters running. I was worked
1: in at one point in investment banking decades ago. It wasn't for me, but at any rate, I was there and there was a, they had people who did Xeroxing at the time. This little lady came up to me and she said, Kathy, I want to tell you something. And I said, what, you know, she was a widow. She lived alone. And she said, do you know, when I am walking around the neighborhood and I ask people what they're doing, They want nothing to do with me. But when I focus on tending my garden and I'm outside planting my tomatoes and my basil, and lettuce, people stop by all the time and they say, what are you doing? So when we're engaged in our own passions and interests, we draw others to us. We build community and sharing and community are ultimately what competition can bring us closer to. Competition itself is not the end. It's community with others. It's confidence from knowing we did our best. Who wants to be an observer of life when you can be an active participant? It goes back to the secretary. Who said that people want to know what she's up to when she's busy doing things as opposed to standing by watching others and asking them what they're doing not that I'm not interested or she's not interested in other people we are but we have more to contribute to community to others if we're living and experiencing ourselves we can share our experiences
0: And that's how individual events can be so much more communal than they might appear from the outside. While people aren't working together like they do in, say, team sports, they do have shared experiences and they can support each other. They can share in the understanding, for instance, of what drives Kathy's passion for track racing. I love competition in sports
1: which are measurable. And because you can compete with yourself, there's something about the confidence you gain from measuring results from a competitive event, a race. In a sport that can be measured with a clock, you can have a sense of progress. So it's competition as a way to, as an event to test yourself at. It's much better, I believe, for me, to enter a competition, a public event, as opposed to
0: doing a time trial, which is a private event. Something that makes public competitions appealing not only to Kathy, but to an enormous number of other runners, is the fact that they're a goal to prepare for and focus on. And it's likely not surprising to learn that setting goals has been a driver for Kathy for a very long time. Since I was young,
1: I was a planner, as well as a, you know, I enjoyed being active and running and jungle gyms and things like that. I've always been like that. And I, I can say I've been very aware always of the fact that time is really a very precious commodity. And I never, I don't, I have... Well, you know, energy, and probably too much of it. But anyway, I deal with it. And I like to set goals and seize the moment. So if I don't see something that's available, I'll try to create it. I'll find it. I'll create it just as I have my
0: practice. The practice Kathy's referring to here is MOVE, the goal achievement method she created and has been developing for decades. Kathy teaches others how to coach with her method. And of course, she has tested it thoroughly in her own life.
1: So if I didn't have move, I think I'd be an out of control, whirling, anxious dervish. You know, it would be like everything. But I Because I have a lot of energy and a lot of interests. And I wanted to, I also felt with many things going on, I wanted more structure and when you set a goal, you add punctuation to your life. So that without a goal, people feel can feel as if they're just drifting. It feels as if you're you're wasting time. And you know, it's a a, a life without goals to me are like a book without periods, paragraphs, chapters. And I wanted to have life full of a feeling of fulfillment, but also of calm. And I'd be the type of person, if I didn't have MOVE, I would be jumping from one thing to the next. I'd be like wacko and all over the place. And MOVE is a goal achievement method. It stands for the M is motivate, the O is organize, the B is visualize, and the E is excel. It's a, It's a method that both motivates people and creates, and me, and creates calm. And it's an, it's an analytical process, or it's a process that has clear parts to it. Based on all my, my dissertation, I focused on studies of excellence and goal achievement. The goal-setting method, move, divides goal achievement into preparing for goals First, so it's preparing for goals and then setting goals, and then managing goals, which involves overcoming obstacles and anticipating setbacks and adjusting goals. And finally, in reviewing short-term goal achievement, it's all based on the fact that short-term successive goals lead to long-term goal achievement.
0: This goal achievement framework is also what Kathy uses to coach her own clients. Many of the people I coach, I mean, they're
1: all different kinds of people from sheer beginners and people who are not competitive, which is great. They wanna get faster. They wanna feel more confidence. They want a concrete achievement. So they're recreational. And then I have very competitive people. People are different. I believe that a really good coach listens and pulls out the motivation of the athlete. People are motivated very differently, and that's one of the most interesting parts of being a coach, because I'm not just a running coach. I am that, but it's within, it's the mindset and the motivation and the life circumstances If you can get all those aligned and help someone understand what they really want, and that can take time, then that person is going to operate on full cylinders. And I'm happy we have this community now of coaches because as a coach, you can get caught in your silo and be separated from others, and we learn from each other. It all comes back to community and helping others be their best.
0: Helping people to be their best. This is a key focus for Kathy. It's at the core of her move method, and it's what she continually goes after for herself. As someone who has been and continues to redefine what aging can look like, Kathy has been and continues to be very open to what the future can bring
1: anything is possible. It just, you know, number one, you know, we we need our health. You need your body, you know, no injuries and, and, um, or avoiding minimizing injuries. Uh, But you don't know what's possible. I remember once I stopped tennis, I focused on running and strength training to support that. And then when I was 58, I joined the club of all the people who have problems with their knees. And I thought, me? Knee problems? Well, yes, me? Knee problems. So I started swimming, and there was a coach at Boston College who was a master's swim world record holder. She was terrific. And uh, one student of mine at Boston College... Uh, triathlete who was the first American finisher at the 2016 Olympic Games, Joe Malloy he coached me uh, gave me workouts for swimming also and I just started doing lots and lots of intervals I loved the discipline and the workouts, Uh, I loved being coached and I loved setting goals and taxing myself So I decided and then all of a sudden after being told I could never run again at fifty-eight, I was I found myself able to run. And I I couldn't I wasn't didn't have the courage, having been told by doctors, I couldn't run. I didn't have the courage to do intervals, so I just ran easy. And then I said to my husband, Rob, Well look, if I am working so hard on swim swimming in intervals and going by myself to the pool and I thought okay I'm going to there's something called Aquathlon I didn't want to bike because I am afraid of biking around Boston and anytime I think of trying to bike fast fast outside all I want I think of you know holding on to the brakes so at any rate I entered the National Aquathlon Championships and the age group championships of course, and. I did a terrific swim, and then I started running, and, uh, you know, the wheels came back, and I finished second the first time I entered, and I won the nationals the next year. And so swimming gave me kind of a new lease on life, and then I I went to the world championships in Canada, and um, I got the bronze medal, so I felt like, you know, all that swimming and it was wild that day. I mean, the swimming section of that race was absolutely crazy. I mean, huge waves, huge winds. But, but anyway, I ended up doing just fine. And it was a great experience. And it was a great experience in hindsight also thinking about how doctors said I was done with running. an Aquathlon, that was, you know, it was a combination of swimming a mile and running a 10K.
0: Always looking for new ways to challenge herself, Kathy decided to return to track racing after a decade-long hiatus. After years of competing in longer events, in 2020, she decided to get after some shorter distance goals, beginning with working on her mile time. The first time
1: I ran it, I was so used to running distance. I was running it like as if I was running a 5K or a five-mile race, you know, the intensity of the mile. It's another gear. It's a whole different kind of running. You know, there's nothing comfortable. It's like running with a bear on your back the whole time. I mean, you can feel good racing, or let me put it this way, I can feel good racing a 5K, even a 3K, which I've won at nationals. And I remember those races well. I mean, you know, what, 15 laps on the indoor track and then gearing up at 8 laps. But, you know, you're, you can be comfortable for a while. Forget comfort, comfort in a mile. You're like, you are starting with a bear on your back.
0: And, you know, shake hands with it or go home. Kathy once again shook hands and posted a 1,500-meter time that ranked her second in the U.S. and sixth or seventh in the world in her age category. The 1,500-meter, of course, being ever so slightly shorter than the mile. And this is the performance that earned Kathy that 91% age-graded scoring. These days, Kathy is taking time away from running due to knee issues and instead is feeding her competitive drive with paddle tennis tournaments. And she continues training in other sports to keep herself engaged and challenged. Because you never know what might come next.
1: Today, I do more cross-training, a lot more water running. I do uh, water running every day, actually, for a little bit. I water run every day. I've got long days and short days, and then I swim every other day pretty long now. Uh, And then I strength train two or three times a week. So that's important. You know, we we lose like a half a pound of muscle every year after 30. So you really have to focus on strengthening, particularly as I found, I write for National Masters News, and I've learned a lot from writing for them. So I appreciate them, you know, interviewing doctors and physical therapists, etc. You really have to strengthen particularly your glutes, the prime movers, right, and hamstrings, which we, you know, but, but you want to strengthen your body, focus more on strength training with each decade as you get older. So... You know, in your 60s, you want at least half of your focus to be strength training. And then also taking recovery, taking a day off, cutting back every third or fourth week by at least 10 to 15 percent. And recognizing that the whole planning process of training is very important because Masters runners, unlike even more so than collegiate runners and definitely more so than professional runners, masters runners have many responsibilities and more unpredictable ones. They're often responsible. You know, they have families or they have kids or they have jobs or they move, whatever it is. And training has to anticipate the unexpected uh, demands of, uh, you know, life happens. And so you have to set goals so they're flexible enough to to adjust. And you, you can come back. What I've learned is some people, I know someone in her late 70s, 80s, she was off running for three to four years and she came back and set a record on some courses. So there you go. That in itself should give everyone hope. It's not a straight line. And, and I, I, I guess, and that leaves me with just this one thought, which is there's always a new starting line at any age.
0: How fun is that? It doesn't end. It doesn't end. We can continue to thrive and excel and engage in any number of ways over the years, and what a great way to approach aging. It's full of possibility. I want to thank Kathy very much for sharing her story. Remember that if you're in the Boston area on March 19th, you can hear more from Kathy in her TED Talk about how short-term goals can transform your life. The talk will be live and in person at Boston College in the Robsham Theater at 4.30 in the afternoon, and tickets will be on sale mid-March. This talk isn't going to stream live, but if you can't make it in person, it'll be available on YouTube afterwards. You just search for TEDx Boston College. I'll put the details in the show notes, along with a link to Kathy's MOVE website, where you can learn more about her and her goal achievement method. As always, thank you for listening. We love sharing these stories, but we truly could not do it without you. Also, you listening and sharing the podcast is how we grow. Please hit the subscribe button, please hit the subscribe button, and please share the podcast with your friends. I'd love for these stories to inspire and inform as many people as possible, and word of mouth is a tremendous gift to us in that mission. I also welcome you to visit our website, stridesforwardpodcast.com. And we are active on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at StridesForward. It's our handle in both places. Also, please check out our mini episodes, Strides Behind the Mic. I have a call out to get stories from you. I am looking for one to three minute recordings that you email me and you can learn all about that by listening to our Strides Behind the Mic episode. I'm really excited to share listener stories. So please check out our Stride Behind the Mic episode to learn more about that, or you can find information on the website. Also, I never make this show by myself. Cormac O'Regan does all the original music, and he does the sound design. He does that from his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative does all the design work for the show, including the website, merch, logo, and all the social media. April comes to you from Truckee, California, and you can find her at bonfirecollaborative.com. And yep, I am Sheri Louise Turner, and I'm coming to you from my closet in Somerville, Massachusetts. Thank you so much again for listening, and until next time, we all wish you many healthy, joyful strides forward. Whoops, that strides forward.
1: Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.